Welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother pod. My name is uh, Jeremy Sartori, and I'm your host tonight. And I'm flying solo with a uh, longtime friend of mine and, and um, lead singer, primary songwriter for the great Chicago-based band Radar Eyes, bass player in the L.A.-based Evan Byer, and uh, sometimes touring bass player for Ultimate Paint- Paintings, Anthony Cozy. How you doing, Anthony? Oh, I'm doing really good. How are you doing, Jeremy? Good. It's been a long time since we've gotten to connect, so I'm glad we get to uh, to meet over, I guess we're doing a Skype pod today, so we're meeting over over Skype and catching up on some, some things. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah. It's good to, it's good to hear from you. So cool. Well, listen, um, just got to say, Radiant Remains by Radar Eyes, one of my favorite 2016 albums. It actually made the Brother, Brother, Brother shortlist for best albums of 2016, Oh, you, can, cool. you can blame my other two brothers for not making the uh, the final top twenty five, but you, you were definitely on the short list. And uh, so before we we jump into that album and the band, you know, um, you grew. We're kind of born and raised in Chicago, South Chicago. I just wanted to kind of one of the themes of the pod is is you know we're we're three brothers from three different generations, and we talk a lot about how we got into music, how it's kind of bonded us as brothers, and and how we sort of influenced each other and how we found music, but um, love to hear how you sort of got into to rock and roll or whatever music kind of floated your boat growing up in, in South Chicago. Okay. Yeah. So I grew up, uh, yeah, in a, in a town just on the like Southwest suburbs of Chicago called Elsip. And I guess where music started with me, my, you know, my, my dad, um, plays music like him and one of his best friends uh they would always when they were over they would always be playing like acoustic guitar like neil young songs kind of like country folk stuff from the 70s you know the band america um you know maybe like a tom petty song or something like that ccr so that 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 didn't necessarily suck i mean decent decent music it sounds like yeah yeah great music great music yeah totally and and so that was kind of like you know the beginning of it so there was a like i remember uh, pretty young. Um, well, here, here's a good story. Like my mom, my mom and dad were telling me this recently when I went to go visit them, they live in, uh, they moved from, uh, the South side of Chicago to Phoenix. So they live out there and I'm in Los Angeles. So, um, you know, I took a drive down there for the, uh, for the holiday break. And, um, they were telling me a story about the first time that they, remember me like reacting to music and um yeah this was in the 70s so they they didn't really uh <laughs> buckle kids up in the back of the seat so i was standing in the standing up in the back seat of the car while they were driving and um a tom petty song came on i think it was um don't do me like that 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 uh that song and i got up and i was like like uh repeating the the chorus over and over again and that was like the first time that they remember me like reacting to music and um so yeah it was a cool tom petty song and then i often remember stuff like you know michael jackson thriller and beat it at the time were big records and um did you grow up on mtv or were you radio or yeah we didn't have we didn't have cable when i grew up so um it was mostly radio um uh i i mean i would occasionally be over at friend's house watching mtv so i had a little bit of like uh, exposure to it. But, you know, the first things that I remember are like tapes that I got or records that my parents bought me, you know? So like an early one was like, uh, um, 
the singer, the singer from TCR, his name is oh, uh, Fogarty, right? John? Fogarty, yeah. yeah. Fogarty solo, solo, uh, stuff from the eighties. He had a song called, uh, uh, the, the chorus is put me in coach, but I don't Center think that's field, it. man. Center field. Center yeah. field. Yeah, yeah. It's called center field. Yeah. I like that song. <laughs> that, like that was one of my first like 45s that I ever had. And my parents said that I used to like stand on my head in my bedroom and play that over and over again. So, um, I mean, the, the first thing that I bought on my own, like I, I went and picked out was, um, uh, the break in soundtrack from, you know, I don't know the mid eighties or something like that. So, like, we were, we were all really into break dancing at the time. And you know what that meant was like, you know, kind of just like trying to emulate what we saw on TV on some cardboard in somebody's driveway with a boom box, you know what I mean? Nice. And then, and then after that, I, I mean, I, I slowly started getting into like, uh, like the kind of like metal and pop metal that was happening around the time. Like, um, uh, you know, maybe like anthrax was a big, um, I was a big fan of that. And then, you know, like guns and roses and, um, Metallica and stuff like that. Um, so that, that, that was kind of where like the heart of music came in around then. Um, and then, uh, maybe my freshman year of high school, I traded somebody, uh, a few tapes. I can't remember what I gave him, you know, like some classic rock tapes or some metal tapes or something. And he gave me a Fugazi tape, a minor threat discography CD, and that first Jane's Addiction album that has like a bunch of the live songs on it. It's Triple like, X. Triple X, yeah, yeah. self-titled, whatever it is. And um, that kind of like, that was what opened the door to like music that you couldn't get on the radio. Because at the time, you know, there was no internet or anything like that. So it was like whatever you found out about it was just either word of mouth or, you know, an older brother or something like that. And I didn't have an older brother. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, that was kind of like, the door opening to like all this different kind of music. And once I got to high school, there were a lot more kids that were sort of interested in music that wasn't on the radio. So started, Oh, you know, buying, you know, going to the record store and they had like maximum rock and roll and you could, you could uh, mail order things at the time, you know? Um, so it was kind of like hearing word of mouth. What was the, a good 45 to buy or what was a good, LP to buy and, and, uh, getting that, you know, and, and I think at that time it was a lot of like, I was listening to a lot of like pop punk and stuff like that after I was, after I, you know, got the into green days God. of the world or yeah, it was green day. I mean, like I was kind of like into naked Ray gun mm -hmm. and screeching weasel and peg boy and gotcha. like face to face and those, those type of bands that Some uh, more underground yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Green Day was definitely. I, it, I was a. I was probably, an, uh, a senior in high school when Dookie came out. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like ninety four, I think, or ninety three, right? I think so. so. Yeah, I think you and I are around the same age, if not the same age. So. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, uh, but that was definitely you know something that was often played or whatever. Yeah. But, cool. Well, um, when did you start playing guitar then and kind of doing your own thing? Around that time, probably my uh, sophomore, junior year of high school. My dad taught me a few chords. I had got kicked off. I played football very badly for my first <laughs> two years. 
of high school. Like I never played. I got, I actually got put in like the final down of the final game. We were down like 45 points or something. And they, like, they give put the me, ball to cozy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And all I did is block somebody, you know what I mean? And that was like my one play. And, and so, um, I never, I, you know, kind of gave up on sports at that point. And, um, my dad taught me a few chords and I started playing guitar and, uh, I pretty soon after that started my first band. My uh, uh, a neighbor across the street, Jason Robeson, uh, had had kind of like a little band set up in his basement, like drums and uh, uh, had some guitars and amps and stuff. And he had a he had a band together. And um, I I mean I could be rewriting this, but I this is the way that I remember it is that they didn't have a singer. And I would go over there and watch them practice. And they, uh, and I was like, who's going to sing, blah, blah, blah. And eventually they're like, why don't you do it? And like, as sort of a dare. And then I did it and I became a singer for a while, you know, but at this time I was already kind of like, as soon as I could play guitar, I started writing songs, you know, um, they probably sounded a, little, a lot like Nirvana at the time or something like that. Grunge, like the kind of like more punk side of grunge. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah. So that was the first band and it was like in my neighbor's basement, you know, three chord song, grungy punk songs, you know? So, yeah, I'm curious, like, that's one of the things as we, as we lead up into your kind of current, uh, musical life, like, and, you know, obviously you and I probably met in, in our early, gosh, late twenties maybe, or, or, you know, early thirties. And, um, but it seemed to me that, you know, I'm, did you kind of come to see some success in the music world a little later in life? Or was it something that you always were in bands that played around Chicago and then kind of um, broke, you know, had bands that got a little bigger later? What was the progress, progression there? Yeah, I mean, it was it was it was all later in life. Um, I played in bands like just kind of around the South suburbs, like VFW halls and stuff when I was in my teenage years. And like record stores and stuff like that. And then I stopped playing, basically stopped playing in bands for like the next eight years. I kind yeah. of like had a lot of like fits and starts, you know what I mean? But nothing ever came of it until I was about 28 or 29. And I was in that, that band night of the hunter with a few of other, other of our friends. And that was, I also around that time started, um, working at a club, booking a club. So that was like kind of my, which club was that? Was that um, Empty Bottle or was that... Um, that was Cobra Lounge. Cobra Lounge, that's right. Cobra Lounge, yeah. So I did that. I kind of just fell into it. A friend of mine was booking there and he asked for some help. He was just doing it one night a week or one night a month maybe, like one Thursday a month. And then I started doing it like... I kind of took over for him because he couldn't he couldn't uh, do it anymore. And it all of a sudden just became a job. Like I just sort of fell into it. You know what I mean? I didn't even plan on doing it and I loved it. And the, the good part of it is it got me involved in the music scene because I had been, you know, not a part of it for so long. And, uh, having to book shows, book a club is what, you know, got me back into music. And I started making relationships, you know, with, uh, guys like Todd and Brett over at Hozak Records because they would have um, 
bands contacting them for shows, you know, like we had an early OC show, um, at, uh, Cobra Lounge and, um, uh, a bunch of other awesome bands. And I don't know, you know, those, and like people over at Permanent Records, you know, like it, it, it was just, um, it's where I met all the people that came to be my friends in the music scene in Chicago, you know. So all of this happened in your late 20s, early 30s, as opposed to your early 20s, late teens. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Like most people, yeah. totally. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Late. Yeah. Did that give you kind of a different appreciation for what was going on, or was it uh, kind of just something that you knew you always wanted to do? Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely gave me an appreciation for it, because it's something that I always, like you just said, something I always wanted to do, even but I never thought that it would be possible sort of thing. You know what I mean? Like getting a band together seemed like <laughs> like an impossibility, you know, in my late twenties. So, um, yeah, yeah, totally. I was always sort of, um, just really enthusiastic about it. Um, really enjoyed the process, you know? Cool. Well, um, so night of the hunter, I do remember in Chicago, kind of a noise punk band, turns mm -hmm. into radar eyes and, and you guys have gone through a couple of different different lineups um another mutual friend of ours nathan lukin and you were the original singers on the first album you guys traded songs and, and then it has kind of morphed into your band why don't you just give our listeners a an idea of how the band kind of got going and, and where it is today yeah so uh the first band night of the hunter um it had nathan in it and who the person who became the drummer, Shelly uh, Zawadzki, were all three of us were in Night of the Hunter with another friend of ours, uh, Jeremy Kitchen, and um, we were just having troubles getting together as a band and 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 practicing and stuff, and and so Nathan and I had started writing these more like pop songs because like you were saying night of the hunter was like noise punk you know what i mean it was like lots of feedback super fast um uh noisy and chaotic the singer used to roll around on the ground you know it was like we wanted to write some songs that were kind of in the vein of like uh still noisy and stuff like that but more pop orientated so at the time this was like 2000 eight or 2009 we nathan and i were really into uh the jesus and mary chain and that's sort of like noisy pop stuff too you know like with like big hooks and stuff and so we started writing songs um that were kind of this is i told him i he wanted to do this and we we're up in my apartment um working on some songs i'm like i'll do this if it if it stays within these boundaries kind of like I want it to be something kind of like like Spaceman 3 uh, meets the Ramones meets Jesus and Mary Chain, which are all kind of like in the same realm, but like, you know, simple, noisy hooks. With That's, melody. What's that? With melody, right? You know? With melody, yeah, totally. And, and so we started writing songs like that, and uh, one practice, Jeremy didn't show up, and uh, we told Shelly about these songs and she was like, yeah, let's play them. This sounds awesome. And, uh, we started practicing outside of night of the hunter as this band, um, which was just a three piece, two guitars, two singers and a drummer. And, uh, so I was booking that club 
Cobra Lounge. And my first show that I was booking on my own, um, I was kind of like paralyzed to ask people. It was like a weird bill. The, the band was like really mellow and I couldn't think of anyone to open up for them. I mean, Cobra Lounge was like a, was like a hard rock club, you know what I mean? And, and this band that got thrown my way was like really metal, really mellow, had like strings in it and stuff. <laughs> I was like, I don't know anyone who could support this band. And I kind of like kept dragging my feet on it. And eventually I was just like, well, maybe, maybe this will be the first show for Radar Eyes. You know, I don't even think we had a name at the time. And, and that's what it was. That was our first show. And uh, we were the only opening band. And it was fun. Very cool. <laughs> we did it. And it well, kind of took off from there. You know, I would book us every once in a while. Or, you know, we'd get asked to play uh, shows here or there. And um, eventually we got a bass player, Kenny Rasmussen. And we recorded our first tape. That was, um, I had met the guys from... Uh, plus tapes at Pitchfork. Um, they had a little table there and, uh, they were sitting right next to the Hozak guys and, uh, you know, told them that we would love to put out a tape on them. I was telling them how much I loved that there was a disappears and a cave tape that came out at that time and how much I liked both those tapes. And this was like right at the beginning when people started doing tapes again. And uh, they put out our first tape that we recorded in our uh, practice space. And, you know, that led to a single on Hozak, which led to an LP on Hozak, which, you know, kind of took off from there. And so after the first LP, you know, Nathan moved to East Coast. Um, Shelly left the band to have family. Is that correct? And then... Yeah, kind of. Nathan left. Shelly was in for another year or so, then um, had a baby, got pregnant, had a baby, and kind of couldn't do it anymore. And a good, uh, another friend that I had met um, maybe like a year earlier said he would be interested in playing. He was playing uh, bass for Marnie Stern's band. And he was a, an amazing drummer, and, and he agreed to play it. And, th th and at that time also, I uh, had been seeing this band around town called The Runnies, and their guitar player, Russell, Russell Calderwood, was, like, blowing my mind. You know, he was an amazing guitar player. And just like this, I just loved his style so much. And so I asked him to, to you know, be the second guitar player. And then it... At that point, it sort of became my project, you know what I mean? Like, we wrote, we all wrote collaboratively, but I was sort of, like, steering the ship at that point. Where yeah, before, that's what I was, like, and that's what kind of birthed the, the new last year's reading remains. So, I mean, I've, I've got to see you when you came to Boston. You guys were great. That lineup in particular was, was really powerful, really good. And uh, I remember talking to you before the show, and you were mentioning that you'd, you'd kind of gone on this... I don't think the album had come out yet, but you've got on this Cure obsession, and I've heard you talk about the Cure quite a bit. Um, you can definitely hear Jesus and, and Mary Chain and, and a lot of uh, Radar Eyes stuff and, and certainly some garage band influences in the Ramones. But um, I think this album definitely does have a little bit of Cure bent, so much so that I thought you were going to show up 300 pounds heavier on your Skype call with red lipstick <laughs> and true Robert Smith fashion. But uh, <laughs> luckily to report you're not 300 pounds so what what about like i guess kind of you know not that this album was a huge departure but i, I think it was enough of a departure that's worth mentioning from the first album you know you weren't trading songs anymore with nathan for one thing yeah. so it was, it was sort of your record but um 
you know, what, what kind of talk about the influences and, and, and how, you know, this album differs and then kind of created the sound of this album. Yeah. Um, so this band was very different first off all the players in it, you know, I mean, it was, a it was definitely like a more muscular sort of, it was all guys in the band now. And, uh, it, it just had more of a, like a rock edge to it, you know, as opposed to like the more garagey jangly, like stuff that was, uh, earlier, uh, the first record. And, uh, and I had I had been listening to stuff that I had always listened to, but like got reawakened to, you know, like the first few first four Cure albums, you know, like everything up to especially like pornography and um, uh, uh, like 17 seconds and stuff like that. And um, just like kind of like the production on those albums and the way that Robert Smith like uh along with the producer kind of sculpted those sounds you know it's very cold um but it like i don't know the recordings are just amazing sounding to me you know that, that it really was a time and place thing and i really wanted to explore that a little bit more and like the second joy division album and some like um some like paisley underground sort of like the church and uh uh you know, maybe more death rocky stuff that I I was listening to. Um, and, and those were the kind of ideas that I threw out to the, uh, the band and the direction I wanted to go. And then they all were pretty familiar with that stuff being like goths in their teenage years or whatever, you know, we're all in our mid thirties. And, you know, uh, when we were teenagers, um, goth was a big thing too. So they, they had all, they all knew that stuff from their teenage years. So, um, they were kind of on board and, uh, yeah, yeah. So we, we went into, we, we started writing songs almost immediately with Nithin, you know, um, uh, on drums as soon as he came in and we went in and recorded at, um, Nithin was also playing in another band called today's man with an engineer who worked at electrical audio. Um, Steve Albini studio and we went in there and just like recorded two days like six songs and uh, that was the beginning of Radiant Remains and we kind of just did the bones and I came back and uh, a few months later and had worked out all the lyrics is the first time that I actually like spent time on lyrics before my lyrics were kind of just like whatever in the moment kind of came out sort of stuff and this time I started writing not like solely from personal experience, you know, um, not saying they're great, just saying it was different. <laughs> it was, it was new for me, you know, uh, which, is, which is fun, you know, which is keeping me creative and like, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, even down to little changes in my, my guitar playing, like I bought a, uh, Fender Jazzmaster instead of like the Telecaster that I was using. I bought a uh, a Roland Jazz Chorus, which has like a, a chorus circuit in it that I, you know, put all over the guitar. So it sounds very, you know, like Robert Smith or kind of There's chorus. A lot of like, and I, I'm, excuse me, I'm not a musician, I'm just a fan, but um, a lot of like sort of echoey kind of distant sounds in that, that, that album for sure. Yeah. 
Very cool. Well, I mean, I think the hard work paid off and then the, uh, you know, doing your homework on songwriting. You guys, this album seemed to catch quite a quite a bit of buzz, certainly more than I think your earlier album did. And you guys, I know, did a, a U.S. tour and had some good opening slots as well. Is that correct? Uh, with the new album? Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, by that time, by the time the album finally came out, because we had like some, like it was originally supposed to come out on Hozak, but um didn't come we got another label to put it out and it didn't come out till like a year and a half after it was already done you know and I ended up taking it back and having it remixed by a different guy and so there was a lot of like stops and starts with that album too you know which happens you know and uh by by the time the album finally came out I had already moved to LA so um we didn't do an extensive U.S. tour. We just kind of did. Uh, so you were touring prior to the album with those songs, and then. Oh know, yeah, 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 yeah. We definitely had done that, um, but uh, you know, it's hard. You know, by the time we did that tour, it was also almost a year after the album came out. So it was kind of like, you know, you miss your mark at that point. Yeah. But. Uh, uh, yeah, so when this album came out, we just did like some Midwest states, and then um, I started a new version of it out here in LA, which is actually just a three piece now. So I'm kind of taking on more of the guitar duties, which is uh, is fun and challenging and all those things. So yeah. so cool. So the so really, it's the Anthony Cozy band project. You're like a. Uh, <laughs> Was it Jason Molina or, you know, the Electric Magnolia Co.? So you've got a rotating cast and, and now Radar Eyes is, is going to continue on. Is the sound going to continue in that vein of kind of, um, I guess, what do you want to call it, like 80s psychedelic, you know, yeah. sound? Or are you kind of changing with the three-piece? Uh, it's definitely more stripped down, but it's, it's staying in that realm of kind of like dark 80s, um, you know, like a little jangly, a little psychedelic. Yeah. Cool. Punk. Well, yeah. let's take a break and hear something from Radiant Remains, and then um, we'll come back and talk about L.A. and, and uh, some of the other things you've been up to. All right.
Welcome back to the Brother, Brother, Brother pod. I'm with uh, Anthony Cozy, so lead singer and guitarist for the band Chicago, now LA-based band, Radar Eyes, and um, currently also playing bass with Evan Beyer, an LA-based uh, punk band. So before we get into um, kind of, you know, your move to LA and, and, and your new, the new band you're playing with, um, you did a couple tours with kind of the the Velvet Underground e influence band Ultimate Painting. So, just had some some questions around that. I think it's a great band. I think they they do great stuff. Um, just what it's like from from going from a band that you're sort of in control of writing for, singing to a band where you're you're basically I guess a, a hired gun, if you know if that's the right term. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Um, so friends of mine. Um, have a record label called Trouble in Mind, Bill and Lisa Rowe. And I used to be in a band called Coca-Coma with them. It's another yeah. another uh, friends that I met through Cobra, you know, booking at Cobra Lounge. And they had this band coming through Ultimate Painting, and they they asked me, uh, they needed a bass player because they were from London. And they were coming over here to do CMJ like three or four years ago. And uh, three years ago, maybe now. And... They needed a bass player and they asked me to do it. And I said, sure. I, I hadn't heard the record yet. Uh, she sent me over the, uh, Lisa or Bill sent me over the record and, uh, I loved it. You know, I, I'm really into, you know, Velvet Underground, one of my favorite bands ever. So that's sort of like heavy influence on Velvet Underground kind of meets the kinks or something like that. Um, it, I loved it. So I was totally in the bass playing was right up my alley. Cause like I'm more of a punk bass player, kind of like, yeah, I don't know. A few like notes a, and fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not. I don't have like a, a like. I'm not gonna be doing soul, you know, or something <laughs> like that. It's, it's it's like fast, noty bass lines. Uh, anyway, so yeah, so I did that CMJ tour with them. It was great. We played like I can't even remember like a bunch of shows in New York over uh, a couple days, and maybe one or two on the way out and the way back. And uh, I had a great time. I never, you know, I didn't, hadn't even met those guys previous to our first practice together, you know, previous. And then uh, two days later, we were going to be playing um, shows in New York. And uh, they were great. We had a great time. Um, and they asked me to come back and do their next, their next tour was uh, around South by Southwest that following year. And I think it was five weeks or four weeks and I had never toured, uh, that long and, you know, like gone on a, that long of a tour before. And I just wanted to kind of see if I could do it. And, uh, at, you know, I was like 30, I'm 40 now. It was like, I was 37 or 38 at the time. <laughs> so <laughs> I was going like, to bed at nine o'clock at night, you know, uh, and then you have to go tour, play clubs at three in the morning. Yeah, right. So I was, uh, I was kind of like, is this something that I want to do? Because it, it was always something in my head. Like, I mean, Radar Eyes had done tours, and I had done tours with Coca-Cola and other bands, but, you know, like two weeks was the most. Um, three weeks once in Europe, you know? So it was like just trying to see what it would be like to be touring kind of more extensively all the time, you know, what that would be like. And, and it was fine. I did it, and um, I'm really happy that it happened. And I did a few more tours with them before. Um, you know, after I moved to LA and then, um, they started bringing their, uh, bass player from London over, um, for the last couple of tours. So cool. Well, that's, uh, I mean, like we said, great band and, and, uh, 
that's a neat experience. So yeah. LA, man. So, you know, um, for our listeners, Anthony and I met in Chicago. Most of what we've talked about, Radar Eyes and stuff, was was based in Chicago and, and recently making the move to, to sunny Los Angeles. So besides missing, you know, 10, negative 10 degree weather, um, <laughs> what, uh, you know, what do you kind of, you're obviously making your stake in the music scene there, um, playing bass with Eben Byer. So why don't you tell us a little bit, a bit about, I hope I'm getting that name right. I apologize if I'm not Eben yeah, Byer. That's, that's how I say it. All right, yeah. good. And then, um, and then also just kind of the differences that as a 40 year old in the LA music scene versus a 40 year old in the Chicago music scene. Uh, yeah. So almost immediately, I had been threatening to move to LA for years and we had like, three maybe like brutal Chicago winners in a row. And, uh, my family moved out to Phoenix. I kind of, the, the band sort of, the radar eyes was sort of dissolving, um, because members got married and they couldn't just, uh, dedicate the time that they once did. So we weren't going to tour with that, that, you know, uh, that lineup anymore and stuff like that. So I kind of just, uh, quit my job, set a date to move out there and everything. I, you know, I, I didn't have a place to stay. I didn't have a job. I just kind of packed my car up and, uh, you know, a few weeks before I left, I found a place, got here, I found a job pretty quickly. And I had a few friends that, uh, I knew from Chicago, uh, playing music, uh, that lived out here. And one of them, Colin Smith was in this band in Chicago that I liked a lot called Screaming Yellow Zonkers. And uh, we started writing almost immediately as soon as I moved out here. And then we uh, recruited uh, this guy, Doug Bolden, that I knew from uh, Chicago also uh, to play drums. And it's been really fun. You know, um, it's it's more in line with... uh, how Night of the Hunter was, you know, kind of like dark, noisy, spazzy, uh, punk music. And it feels good to play that again because it's been a while, you know. What is the name Eben Byer? Where does that come from? Uh, so uh, Colin came up with it and it's like, uh, you'll have to check the Wikipedia page, but <laughs> it's essentially this like early 20th century, like socialite, a uh, guy who, uh, at the time, uh, doctors were coming up with these like elixirs, you know, and uh, selling them to people as like these cure-alls. And this, snake oil. what's that? Snake oil. Yeah, that type of thing. Well, this one doctor was, uh, you know, had this had this one that that they used like radioactive elements in it. I think it was like radium or something in this, you know, drink and was selling it to people as this like tonic for life or something. And all these people started getting like this horrible cancer from it. (laughs) And and essentially what happened is this guy's like, you know, like through his vanity, uh, it's like jaw fell off, you know? And, uh, that was kind of, I think Colin really liked that story and the rest of us agreed. And that, that was sort of the name where the name came from. That was, that was that guy was Evan Byers. Nice. Well, what do you, I mean, as far as just music scenes in general, um, you know, LA versus cold, harsh Chicago, or or you think (laughs) it's vibrant, equal 
different, you know, more welcoming? What, what, uh, what do you think? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's also Not very, either. Yeah, yeah. It's also very weird just to, like, do this at 40. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, luckily, the house that I moved into, one of my roommates um, uh, is pretty active in the music scene. So she uh, she introduced me to a lot of people. And then there, there are some people out here that I just know from touring over the years and stuff like that, that, you know, play, uh, played shows together and stuff like that. So I, there, I had some bases. I wasn't going in there like totally uh, like trying to meet people or whatever. But uh it's it's weird you know like i don't want to go out to shows as much as i used to which uh it's kind of hampering to being you know becoming part of a music scene um uh i love music and i love seeing music live but i also get really tired around 10 o'clock at night (laughs) get up at seven or eight every day um so that, that's been difficult, you know, but I mean, I've just been writing a ton of music and I've been recording here and, uh, you know, I'll have, uh, and then joining bands. So, uh, did, uh, joined Evan Byers, you know, we kind of put that together and then I started up Radar Eyes cause it's kind of a no brainer. I have two albums worth of material to, um, to play you know, to be a part of what's happening here. And then I just actually started playing guitar with this band called Jail Weddings, which are some guys that have been around for a long time in LA, in the LA music scene. And uh, the, one of the bass or the drummers playing bass in Radar Eyes. So, um, yeah. So, and they're all older guys. They're like all like my age, like late 30s, early 40s. So that, that feels kind of good too to be playing with people like that are a little more uh, around my age and, mate- uh, you know, mentally, <laughs> um, uh, so yeah. And the, the difference between the scenes, I think LA is a hugely vibrant music scene, you know, it's especially like, uh, the East side, the Northeast side of Los Angeles and the East side of Los Angeles, there is like, there's a pretty great, uh, vibrant, music scene here and you know it's not just like rock or you know whatever you know electronic music and you know hip-hop and stuff like that so uh, uh for me it feels very very similar to what was happening in chicago there's a great diy scene here you know lots of venues that aren't like your normal bar type places you know run by people who um are active in those scenes and stuff like that, like the smell and HM 157 and, uh, non plus ultra. These are all like places that are very reminiscent of places that I would go, you know, in Chicago when I was younger. So cool. Well, um, why don't we give you an opportunity to to plug any upcoming shows or, or albums that you're dropping and then we'll go to break and we'll come back with how we end every segment. And that is what are, what are you listening to? So, um, what's going on in the immediate future or that our listeners can check out from, uh, your musical output? Okay. Well, um, Evan Byers just recorded. So we're going to start sending out this recording to people. So you should be hearing from us a little pretty soon. I also, um, uh, as soon as I started moving out, as soon as I moved out here, started writing this like 
electronic album using all uh, synthesizers and drum machines, and I have a tape of that music coming out um, in the near future on a label called Moniker Records. Um, I'll be working on a music video for a single for Is that. that going to be under a, your name, or what name will that? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure yet. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> it probably won't be my name, but it'll be. Uh, it won't be Radar Eyes, and it won't be. Um, uh, yeah, it won't be my name. It'll be just like a project name. Um, I don't know yet. So that's been really fun, and that'll be coming out soon. Great. Well, let's uh, we'll take a break, and we'll come back and hear what uh, Anthony's listening to these days. <laughs> Just wrapping up here with Anthony Cozy of Radar Eyes, Evan Beyer, and an unnamed project that will be uh, coming out of electronic music soon. We'll keep you informed on. So, Anthony, we close every Brother Brother pod with a um, catch-all. It's, it's, the question is, what are you listening to? We joke that it's the quickest way to make your, your mind go blank, um, <laughs> even though we all talk about music and all day. But it can be anything. It can be a book, a TV show, a movie, just something sort of arts-related. So I'm going to, I'll start, um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about The Cure earlier and, and uh, funny enough, totally random, not not related to knowing I was going to be talking to you today. I just like spun through Dis- Disintegration, The Cure album yesterday, which is an album that was really big in my youth. I uh, didn't have a lot of access to, to cool, I mean, I had access to cool music because I had an older brother, so I had a lot of stuff given to me. But uh, in the town I lived in, like the record store sucked and, you know, you had to kind of depend on sort of the, the mainstream alternative bands and and uh, Disintegration was always an album that I was like a little bit embarrassed to listen to when I was like a, a young kid just because I thought it was like kind of wimpy or something. But I've always loved that album. And uh, as I've grown up, it, I think it really has a lot of staying power. So um, what are you listening to, my friend? What am I listening to? So I... I... There is my my roommate uh, sh- shared this album with me. Um, it's called the band is called I think it's called I don't know how to say it. It's Diat maybe D I A T with an umlaut over the A. 
and their album is called Positive Energy. That, and it came out a few years ago, but it was new to me. And um, it's kind of like dark, uh, wiry punk. Uh, really awesome. I've been uh, I've been playing that a ton. Um, kind of maybe reminiscent of like that real early Joy Division or uh, Total Control or something like that. And then uh, what else have I been listening to? Uh, I, I, I've been on a big John Fahey kick lately. So the like. I, I'm reading one of his books. Drag City put out a few of his like books that he's written. Uh, they're kind of like memoir-y, sort of maybe not totally nonfiction, but maybe embellished memoirs. I, 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 I'm not 100% sure, but I've been listening to a lot of his kind of like um, folk, uh, you know, instrumental kind of out there music. I, I really, really like that. I've been, I've been teaching myself how to finger pick um the the woman that i'm dating now she uh she's really great guitar player and kind of something that i've always wanted to do so it's something that like we've been talking about you know so it's like always been on my mind and uh uh like new ways to finger pick and stuff like that so fahey has been a huge influence on me and that you know i'm nowhere near able to do anything like he can do but um a huge huge fan of his guitar playing. Very cool. Well, thanks yeah. for spending time on the Brother, Brother, Brother pod. Uh, we're looking forward to the, the next album from one of your three projects. And uh, we all loved uh, Radiant Remains and uh, rec highly recommend uh, anybody listening to it on Spotify or iTunes or Google Play. You can also get the Brother, Brother, Brother pod on those same outlets. So uh, download us on, on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. And... Um, Tune into our brotherbrotherbrother.com uh, website to hear our playlist on Spotify. And we will have a, a, co a playlist for this uh, pod as well. So thanks again, Anthony. It was great catching up with you. And uh, look forward to maybe catching up next weekend in L.A. Yeah, man. Good, uh, good hearing from you, too. And thanks for having me do this. Cool, man. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Many thanks to Simon Doom for our intro music, Hair of the God, and to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall. You can learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Tweet our mistakes and your recommendations and follow us on Twitter and Facebook. And it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Until next time, on behalf of Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you for listening.